Um, I'm going to start with a statement that you have heard a lot. Some of you have heard it more than others. Um, But as we go throughout the faith of Moses, I want you to have this statement in mind. Life is full of decisions. We make decisions every day. Who are you going to spend time with? What are you going to spend time doing? Um, It's a busy time for parents, teachers, students. Um, My uncle has a set of twin girls, and he has a one-year-old. And he also has a full-time job, and his wife has a full-time job. So he, so he has to get up at 5 o'clock, make sure the kids are ready for school, get them to school, and make sure the one-year-old is at daycare. He has to spend his time making those decisions, making sure he gets up. You made the decision to get up and be here this morning, and I thank you for that. We even make the decision sometimes, unknowingly, if we are going to live for God or not in any given day. I am tasked with the subject of the faith of Moses. We will be spending time in Hebrews chapter 11 and in the book of Exodus. You will be flipping back and forth a lot. I don't apologize. It's needed. Um, As we start, we are going to look at a decision made by his parents... But first, we need to read Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. As Scripture reads, beginning in verse 15, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Sephra, and the name of the other, Puh. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them at the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, then you shall fear, you shall, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Moses was born in this time where Pharaoh said to kill all the sons. Moses' parents, if we look in Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, so the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that the son that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. Moses' parents hid him because they feared God. If we continue reading, we see in verses three to ten, we see Moses' mother put him in a papyrus and in a basket paper and wrapped him up in a basket and put him in the Nile River. The next part, we see God at work. We see he floated down the Nile River to a bank where the Pharaoh's daughter found him. She gave him to a Hebrew woman and paid her to take care of him. God is at work in everything. God was at work in the decisions of Moses' parents. And... From this, we understand that if it were not for the faith of Moses' parents found in 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not of the king's afraid of the king's command. If it were not for the parents living faithfully to God, what happens next in Moses' life, what he goes on to do in his life, if it was not for his parents' faith in God, he could not have done what he did. That is a groundwork for us to remember when we come, we're going to conclude, and I'm going to make an application back to that, about the importance of a parent's faith for their children or their grandchildren. Moses, the next portion of this lesson, we're going to look at Moses spending 40 years in Pharaoh, in the court of Pharaoh. Now, this is a different Pharaoh from the time the Israelites escaped Egypt. This is when he was being raised as a young wee lad to the age of 40, basically. Um, In Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, we read, Now it came to pass in the Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, it reads, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Pause for a second. Moses is watching his fellow kin, be persecuted, be beaten. And he knows this is because they're in captivity. They are spending time under Pharaoh's command. And he sees a Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He's seeing him beat one of his brethren. Moses makes a decision. And the decision he makes is he kills the Egyptian. He then makes another decision in Hebrew or Exodus chapter 2, verse 13. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Moses is trying to help his brothers see they need to work together. They're, a, they're one kind. They're one family. They need to work together. Moses had to make a decision that day he killed the Egyptian that he was not going to live. The decision he made, he was not going to choose to live in royalty with the king of Pharaoh. He chose to live, not live like the royals and live in sin. When we look at the Egyptian kings and and The way they lived, they chose a life of lust. They chose a life of pleasure. They chose a life of sin. He rejected this. He stood up to Pharaoh. As we read, if we turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 25. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, 
refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Moses made the decision to kill the Egyptian. He made the decision to rebel against Pharaoh. He took a stand against Pharaoh. And ultimately, he becomes afraid of what he did. Because he's afraid of how the news is going to spread. Who, who is the news going to get back to? He's afraid that Pharaoh is going to find out. And this happens. This thought becomes reality. In verse 14. Then he said, this is the Hebrew brethren who is being corrected by Moses. Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill us? To kill me as you killed the Egyptian. So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Moses becomes aware from the other, the Hebrew brethren that they know what he did to the Egyptian. He know, they know as many others know as they witness what he did to the Egyptian. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he, and he sat down by a well. Pharaoh hears about Moses killing the Egyptian, and seeks to kill Moses. If we read in verses 23 through 25, Now it happened in the process of this time that the king of Egypt died, then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage. They cried out, and they cry. Their cry came up, came to God because of their bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Moses flees Midian. He flees, to, he flees Egypt to Midian. And during his, his journey or his stay in Midian, the Pharaoh dies. And during the death of Pharaoh, the Israelites call upon God. But let's take a minute to remember how Moses stood up to Pharaoh. He stood up for his people. He stood up because he witnessed his fellow kin be beaten And he even tried to correct the Hebrew brethren by saying, hey, we're a family. We need to work together. And then Moses flees to Midian because of the threat that he knows Pharaoh is wanting to kill him. And then we see the Israelites cry out to God and their voices are heard by God. The third and final story of the life of Moses we are going to look at starts in Exodus chapter 3. But first, let us read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 26 through 29. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invincible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, 
lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. We see by faith, we, we read in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Moses saved the Israelites from Egyptian captivity. Now let's look at the story, how it transgresses, how it unfolds as we look at the final story in the life of Moses for today. This is not the final story of his life, but just for today, it's, we're going to look at this instance. In Exodus chapter 3, we have the burning bush, and it's not being consumed by the fire. It's standing, and there's a fire in it. And Moses, just like me, I'm a man of curiosity. If you haven't learned that yet, if you... I love food challenges. I love spice challenges. Curiosity gets the best of me. I eat crickets out of a box that are flavored. Curiosity gets the best of me. At any point in time, you have a food challenge, I'll do it because I'm curious of what it is. My motto in life, if it doesn't kill me and it's not wrong, I will do it. That is my motto. If it doesn't kill me, if it ain't wrong, I will do it because I'm a curious person. Moses was a curious man in this instance. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, he sees... As scripture reads, then Moses set aside, then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn? Moses sees a burning bush and goes, I want to see why it's not burning. So he goes to it. Scripture says in verse four, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For this place where you stand is holy ground. God calls to Moses and says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. God says, take off your sandals and don't come closer because you're standing on holy ground. And then listen to what God says. In verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. I want you to put yourself in Moses' shoes here. He is directly speaking to God. And he becomes consumed with fear that he hides his face from God. The bush, he hides his face from God because he understands the importance of having a face, not face to face, but a interaction with God. He becomes consumed by the power and almost like he falls down and covers his face. Then we read, Father, God explains in the following verses that his people are hurting, as scripture reads in 7 through 10. Why God wants to have this interaction, we see. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. 
and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God says, I want you, Moses, to get the Israelites out of Egypt. I want you to be their rescuer. I want you to go and lift their oppression. I want you to be in charge of this. Moses responds as many of us would have said, Me? Who am I? I'm a nobody. I I am not worthy to do this task. God's response in verse 11 to Moses saying, Who am I? But Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, So he said, I will certainly be with you. This is in verse 12. God says, I will certainly be with you. God's response is wonderful in here. Moses is not confident in his leadership quality. And God says, You lean on me and I'll be with you. We're not going to go through all the excuses, but I really quickly want to share with you the list of excuses that Moses gives to God. The first one is, who am I? That's found in Exodus 3, verse 11. The second one, Moses questioned who God is. He says, who are you? That's in Exodus 3, verse 13. And God says to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. That I have sent you. And then Moses in Exodus 4 verse 1 says, What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't don't want to listen to me? And the fourth excuse he gives is, I've never been a good speaker. I can relate to that. In Exodus 4.10, that's what he says. Exodus 4.13, Moses says, his final excuse is, God, you can find someone better. I know you can find someone better. And that's in Exodus 4.13. After each one of these, God had a solution to each one of these excuses that Moses had. God had a solution. And Moses finally decides to go. Alright, God, I'm out. I'm out of excuses. You win. I'm going to trust in you. But my brother has to go with me. Now Moses has to go save the Israelites. And God tells him later that Pharaoh's heart is hard. But he does what he does because of his faith. And we get an awesome scene But it is also very tragic as well. And remember, this is not the same Pharaoh 
when Moses was being raised in Egypt. This is a different one. Moses decides to go. He saves the Israelites. He, he, he has discussions with Pharaoh back and forth. And the plagues happen. And then we have an awesome scene. A very tragic scene. In Exodus chapter 14. Verses 21 through 30. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all the night and made the sea into a dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of Egyptians, of the Egyptians, through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels, so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of the Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on the dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And this scene concludes by saying, So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw that the Egyptians dead on the seashore. But Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. Like I said, it's very tragic. But all I have to say is, wow! God is powerful. Wow! Moses, you had excuses and you did it. But guess who is at work in the back background? Guess who got all the glory at the end? God did. Now, if you haven't been listening to me, I want you to listen for at least maybe the next five minutes. Because we just looked at this Old Testament book and you're thinking, how does it apply to me? I'm not Moses. I'm not living in the time of the Israelite captivity. I'm not escaping the Egyptians. I'm not Moses' parents. But you do have to make decisions. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, your foundation plays a big, gigantic part in the faith of your child, your grandchild. If Moses' parents 
had not had faith in God, Moses would have been killed. Parents, you play a key part in your child's faith. Teach them about the Lord from from the time they're born. And teach them the Word of God every day. Secondly, you have to decide between the pleasures of the world or the joy of heaven. Moses stood up to to two pharaohs, not just one, but two. And he killed the Egyptians. He chose to be with his people and not be with the royal king. Are you choosing to be like Moses? And choosing to look forward. He was looking forward to his reward. Are you choosing to look forward to your reward? Or are you choosing the treasures of this world? Thirdly, and this is where I might get tomatoes thrown at me. Lastly, Moses' faith made him a godly leader. You may be thinking, I cannot do something or someone else would be better. But that's not true. You're just the right person. Each and every one of us can be a godly leader. We just have to make the decision to be a godly leader. You can make a godly leader if you choose to. Excuse does not work. God has a solution for each and every one. God had a solution for each and every one excuses that Moses had. Look, um, my grandmother came to visit several months ago. And she goes, I still can't believe you teach and you preach and you do what you do. And I go, why? She goes, because from the ages of me being born until the age of five, I was mute. I didn't speak until I was six years old. They didn't think I was going to be able to talk. And now my dad says, I can't get you to be quiet. I could, and I was in speech class from kindergarten all the way until seventh grade. And I still mess up. I still mess up on words. I can use that as an excuse and, and not do what I do. But I use the faith I have in God each and every day that I give a lesson knowing that He is ultimately at work. It's not me that is changing the life of someone. It's God. Become a godly leader and stop making excuses. Understand that having faith in God is stronger than anything. Someone is better though. I'm not worthy enough. God is stronger than anything. If we lean on Him, good, godly things will happen. Be a godly leader and not a worldly follower. Do something today. Don't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow is never going to get here. When tomorrow gets here, it's today. 
We're not promised to tomorrow. Be a godly leader starting when you get up and you leave this building. The world needs you. You as an individual can make a difference. It becomes a snowball effect. Once you push a snowball down a hill, it's hard to get it to stop rolling. Be a godly leader today. Let the world know that God exists through your actions, through your words, through your faith. In conclusion, it starts with parents and grandparents. Set the foundation of your child's faith or your grandchildren's faith. Secondly, you have to decide between pleasures of this world or the joy of heaven. And lastly, are you going to be a godly leader or are you going to be full of excuses and be a worldly follower? Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here today. Lord, as we humbly bow before you and I humbly bow before you, I pray that someone has learned something from this lesson. I pray that I taught you in a worthy manner. Lord, I hope that we learn how to be. I I pray that parents learn how important their faith are their faith is on their children. I pray that grandparents understand how important their faith is for their grandchildren. I pray that we choose the joy of heaven and we look forward to being with you in eternity. And we don't choose this world because it's only temporary. That we choose to live for you each and every day. I pray that each and every one in this room does something today that is in a godly leadership way. That we do something today when we leave this building that prove that, that shows that you exist by our actions and our words. We looked at Moses and his faith and his parents' faith and him making the decisions, choosing not to live in royalty. His parents chose not to kill him, but they chose to let him live because they saw that he was beautiful. And Moses ultimately put the excuses aside and trusted in you. Help us to do the same. We thank you for Jesus and the example he set. Jesus lived a very faithful life. May we strive to be like him each and every day. We choose to be a servant. We choose to be a godly leader. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for hope to one day be with you as He rose from the tomb three days later. It's in His name we pray. Amen.